Welcome to Secondhand Film Critics, your favorite source for mildly pretentious, semi-uneducated, and highly unqualified opinions on movies. I'm Kayla, and I'm here with my co-host... Noah. And we're also here with our friend... Joe. Wow. Wow. We usually don't introduce people this early. I think I like it. You know, now everyone is on the same page. Um, If they didn't read the title, then they're on the same page. But if they did, then they're just waiting. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, this is our first triple feature since November, I think, was the last one. So it's the first triple feature of 2022. Wow. You're so right. So true. These are fun. They're sometimes like hard to schedule, so we don't get to do a ton of them, but I... Uh, we try to do at least two a year, I think, is like our goal. Um, and this one is going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a pretty cool time. Joe, do you want to like just give a quick introduction to yourself? We'll get more into everything after. But, yeah. you know, we don't want you just like talking people like, who's this guy? Um, so, yeah, you want to just introduce yourself? Yeah, um, I am a documentary filmmaker. I make short little um, documentaries and then also do a little bit of branded work. And that's, I guess, my main thing right now is uh, making videos for small businesses and local organizations in uh, the Minnesota area. So, yeah. Wow. wow. Very cool. That, yeah, I've seen a few. You have um, a lot of them on your YouTube channel, right? So they're available for all to watch. So, you know, maybe you guys, you go pause this, go watch those and then come back and have more context yeah i really liked you did the record store one and that one was really cool because i like record stores so it was cool to see that was really fun yeah they're really nice um i recently well maybe i'll plug this at the end i don't know i'm like the most recent thing that i did like two days ago the person told me like i got to the shoot and i i pitched it as like okay this is like a student project because i'm Mm. in the middle of like community college for film and he was like these don't seem like they were made by a student and i was like oh my god thank you so much and so that has just that is going to be what i'm running on for the next like (laughs) i think four or five weeks so yes sounds about right that's how i yeah that's how it goes you get one piece of validation carries you through and then you die at the end of the day yeah Um, but before we get into all of the, the fun triple feature stuff, we do have to get into our answers. We got to last week's question of the week, which was, what is your favorite road trip movie? Mm. Um, and people took this a lot of different ways. A lot of varied answers here. Yeah. Many I didn't even think about. Yeah. What are some of your favorites that we got? Uh, well, of course, we got Little Miss Sunshine um, from both our friend Zachary Smith-Michaels and from our friend Bryce. Uh, so that seems to be usually, I think, a lot of people's go-to like road trip movie, which I enjoy that movie. So Yeah, and Paul Dano's like making a film Twitter comeback right now. So, oh my gosh, what a guy. You know, I- I'm sure there will be people on TikTok like, in a couple months, like saying, you know, like those videos where it's like movies you have to watch that no one's ever heard of. And it's like Little Miss Sunshine will be one of those. And it's like, oh, my word. All right. <laughs> if I still had short hair, I could cosplay as Paul Dano. Not even just him <laughs> as the Riddler, like just Paul Dano himself. Yeah. Yeah, because you could do the Riddler yeah. now. You could just put a big thing on your head. I've got the clear glasses, so I can do it. Yeah. Dan came with two. You know, because he wanted to cover two genres, which I respect. 
Um, comedy, he said Dumb and Dumber. Uh, and then in drama, he said... Um, my Spanish is so bad. Do you want to say this? Because, like, I know how to say it, but I'm just not a good... I'm just not a good <laughs> um, I just really don't. I really don't. It's what? E2 Mama Tambien? I think so, yes. Yeah, my Spanish is so bad. This is a great movie, though. I took French in high school, so... Wow. I actually did take Spanish. I did not take Spanish. I didn't do very well. I have not seen this, actually. Oh, Wow. I think you would like this. Yeah, I've thought that I would too, but it feels like everything I've heard about it, that it it feels like a more deep film or like a heavier film. Mm. I don't know. So I just haven't ever- Definitely. Yeah. Ventured. I would definitely not recommend watching it when you're depressed because mm. well, you would- I'll like... probably never <laughs> so watch it So never watch then. it. Yeah. You, could, you don't have to ever watch it if you don't want to. That's a good that's a good list right there. Movies to not watch when you're depressed. So movies <laughs> and you'll never watch. And then you have an asterisk and then the description is like yeah, so yeah, I'll yeah. I will never watch any of these. Um just hold off yeah. on these until your therapist says it's okay. <laughs> yeah. They're like the little achievements you unlock in therapy. Like you have reached the level where you can watch this now. We always get an answer from from Joe from these. So do you want to read your answer cuz you're here? You can just yeah, read it. Yeah. So some like jackass answered a life less ordinary what is that <laughs> oh i'll tell you what it is it's um about uh oh crap what's the guys ewan mcgregor mm. and cameron diaz um are both kind of stuck in their lives and he kidnaps her but she doesn't really she's not like upset about the fact that she's kidnapped it's a lot like it's basically like um a modern version of the Fantastics, if you've ever seen that. Very cool. You know, I would be kidnapped by you and McGregor gladly. So. Mm. Oh my God, we Same. all would. I think I am. I'm right in that boat with with her. So it's all good. Um, one interesting one that I don't know if like I expected, but it definitely kind of is a road trip movie. Is Fellowship of the Ring, um, mm. which is a pretty cool, yeah, pretty cool answer. Because I think like. It's not. It's really the only one that is because after that one, then they kind of split up, and it's like, I mean, maybe Sam and Frodo are always on like their own road trip, I guess. But yeah, the others are just like. I can't believe we haven't ever done we. That is an episode we've talked about for a long time, doing a Lord <sighs> of the Rings trilogy episode, and it just feels so daunting that it has never happened. But maybe, yeah. maybe this year, maybe next maybe. year. <laughs> I feel like we need to do like because we do the summer series where like one every month. I feel like there needs to be one of those like yeah one, because I don't know if we could cover all three in one episode. We used um, to watch all three in one yeah. day, like we would Lord of the Rings marathon and extended edition <laughs> and watch. That doesn't sound very fun. All three, yeah. Yeah, it sounds kind of grueling. Yeah, well, when you're kids and you love Lord of the Rings, oh, yeah. it's like what else are you gonna do? <laughs> What other answers do we have here? We have a couple more. Uh, Mike said a goofy movie, <gasps> which I That's agree. Fun. That is a great road trip movie. Yes, it is. It is goofy and it is a movie. And I don't know what else you need. Mm. Uh, is that the one where like a son goes to college, right? No. Or no? Never mind. <laughs> I've, I've never seen it, but I do know the it's plot where, of it. It's, in it's it. where yeah. he, they're going, he wants to go to this concert or they're going to the concert, but he wants oh. to take him on a camping trip. And so he's trying to take Max on this camping trip, but Max is like, 
being sneaky and is going to go to the concert instead. And so it's their, mm. like, bonding. It's very sweet um, and a very, yeah. like, dad-son classic little uh, movie. It's very cute. Do you want to know something vaguely interesting about yes. that? So the <laughs> not even waiting for an answer so <laughs> anyway um the two songs that are like really like up there in that movie that are really good um called stand out and eye to eye were actually recorded in prince's home studio paisley park um and it was all produced by prince's producer however it was sung by this other guy who nobody really mm. knew of at the time wow wow that's but really yeah. cool. That's pretty. That's pretty cool to be in Prince's studio, but you're not Prince. You're like. Yeah, I, yeah. I, he was like one of his proteges. Apparently, Prince had a couple people who he would like train. Mm -hmm. I guess. Well, I don't really know. Janelle Monae was definitely. One oh, of was those, she? I'm pretty sure. I know, like, okay. at least def maybe she got big and then she was, but like they definitely worked really closely together. Um, what you can yeah. tell if you listen to her music is like basically. Just oh, absolutely. Prince music. Yeah, she's great uh yeah love some good road trip movies they're they're fun god jester steven said the blues brothers hmm. which i have not seen. never seen it yeah i don't so even know what it's about well it's about brothers probably i would assume yeah it's about a pair of guys jim belushi and dan Aykroyd, and they go on a crazy road trip while carrie fisher tries to kill one of them oh wow as you do yes all great road if trips. you've ever seen the Phineas Ferb episode where they're trying to get the band mm. back together. That's a parody of the Blues Brothers, and it's very similar. Good mm. to know. I haven't seen that either, but you oh, know, I'm no. sure people have. listening have. So there you go. So, Joe, now it is time for our interrogation of you. Um, <laughs> All right. Just kidding. Uh, so you already kind of shared a little bit about what you do. So you're a filmmaker. What kind of got you into, like film in the first place um i always just kind of liked doing it my older sister always had like a camera around and so like there's a bunch of old home videos of me doing things with like my family or just like in the woods um then in sixth grade i entered this thing called the adam young film scores contest mm. oh i and, i remember that wow that is wild that is a wild okay. throwback Damn. Yeah, so really. All right. So if you don't know who Adam Young is, he's also known as Owl mm -hmm. City, as the as the culture. Yeah, we we were big Owl and, City kids. Yes, very, very big. Oh, yeah. yeah. I love that. Love that. I always have a copy of the Midsummer Station in mm. my car. Anyway, so uh, me and my cousin and my friend Brandon made like a little uh, entry into it. And it wasn't that good. But like, the experience of making it was just so satisfying mm. and I wanted to keep doing it. And then like, I kept on doing like, um, more fiction films for a while. And then eventually I kind of started doing more like paid work. Like people would be like, Hey kid, you've got a camera. Um, I'll pay you 50 bucks to do this thing or this thing. And, um, it just kept on like snowballing from there. Wow. So, yeah, that's pretty much how it always works, you know? You just kind of fall into it. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting, too. It started with film scores, so it's like it, it started kind of in a different medium, and then it transitioned. But, I mean, because I think film scores, and especially, like, those Adam Young film scores that he did for that one year when, like, he did one a month were, like, very narrative-based oh, yeah. anyway. So it makes sense that, like, that would be 
a connection there because he was yeah. going for that narrative based score idea. I mean, it, it just even listening to him now, you're like, wow, this feels like an experienced like James Newton Howard type of guy. Like this is like really something. Like it doesn't sound like a pop artist, like somebody known, especially for doing electronic music, to like just switch completely. Yeah, I don't. I I stopped listening. I think I listened to like the first four, and then I kind of fell off. Remin- Owl City it's a episode. Deep cut. Yeah, <laughs> this, this is a really deep cut. Wow. Yeah, that's cool though. Do you remember? We like to ask this to like all of our guests because this is like an interesting right. question. Do you remember like the first movie that you ever watched in a theater? No, I do not, but I do, my oldest memory of watching a movie was watching Star Wars 4 um, on a VHS and constantly, like, giggling when I would, like, rewind the VHS because it was just so funny to me seeing it, like, a little bit faster. And there's, like, the two things at the top and the bottom of the screen where it's, like, yeah, it's, like, there's, like, lines. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was, like... That like when I think back of like my history of watching movies, that's like the oldest memory I can um, think of of like movie with a capital M. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, we had the Star Wars VHSs. Love those VHS memories. Oh yeah, VHS episode because you collect VHSs. So <laughs> I and do. We both have VHS memories. VHSs are really interesting. Um, cool. So obviously here we're. You put together a triple feature, but for you, what kind of makes a movie that you like? So when you watch a movie and you see it and you're like, wow, this is a great film. What makes that great for you? If it can make me cry and laugh in the same sitting, that really does it for Mm. me. My all-time favorite is uh, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And I feel like that's the thing I always point to because it's just so like devastating and hysterical like a good movie is funny and sad but a great movie is devastating and mm. hysterical mm. wow wow yeah i i like that movie that's a fun movie yeah i haven't seen it in a bit so maybe i should rewatch it it's yeah hugh grant is very funny i have multiple but there's a well this isn't a spoiler there's a poem in it by a guy named um odin uh, like A-U-D-E-N and I have multiple books of poetry just because I saw that movie and I was like that's so good <laughs> that's funny got, got you into a poetry I do phase. that too alright cool so let's go to an ad break and then when we come back we will jump into our triple feature Alright, so this is our triple feature section of the episode, and if anyone hasn't listened to one of these episodes before, basically what it is, is we have a guest on, and they bring three movies, the triple feature, and we talk about them one by one in the set order that they provide, and sometimes there's like a theme, sometimes it's a trilogy, sometimes it's just like their three favorite movies, but this one in particular does have a theme. And so do you want to like introduce what the theme is that you chose for this triple feature? Yeah, it's breaking the fourth wall. Anytime a character addresses the audience or the camera. Yeah, Which and we're not weird. talking about Ferris Bueller. So we're, we're going for the deep cuts because that's the one everyone always brings up. Or like, um, what's oh, its yeah. face? Yeah. Uh, freaking Annie Hall. Is that the one that? Oh, yeah. The Woody Allen yeah. movie? Yeah, but basically. Never seen please it. Please don't see it. 
Um, it's bad, but like no, it mean, was one of the first. That one ones. is that one is pretty good. But like yeah, the right. amount like of, a lot of times I heard I saw that stupid scene in like film school or whatever. I think yeah, it was the, the scene, scene from that movie where he like turns to the camera. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that one has a lot, and then Manhattan has some. Manhattan is the one that's really bad. If yeah. you're gonna see any, I would watch Annie Hall. Manhattan is terrible. Well, um, at this point, I would never selectively watch a Woody Allen movie <laughs> for any reason. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's they're very annoying too. So it's not like they're really even worth watching. Um, yeah, we're not talking about Annie Hall though. So, <laughs> do you want to introduce what the first film is, Joe? <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. We're starting with I, Tanya from 2017. Wow, wow. These movies all have abusive mm. men in them, so mm. the characters, at least. Yeah. What does that say about you, Joe? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> May, I, one can't change what, what, what they like. <laughs> what does that say about the fourth wall? You know, maybe it's people beckoning to the That's audience it. to save them. I don't know. We're getting, mm. already getting deep here. We have a synopsis here that you wrote, Kayla. I did, yes. I mean, like, how do you write a synopsis about this movie? <laughs> like, everybody knows what happened, so I basically was just, like, writing what happened, yeah. I guess. Uh, yeah, I'll read it then. I'll, I'll go through. I'll take us through this journey of I, Tanya, quick. Tanya Harding figure skated her whole life. She skated her way into a national championship, a world medal, and the U.S. Olympic team not once, but twice. She was the first American figure skater to complete a triple axel. Then, when Nancy Kerrigan's knee is bashed in, Tanya gets wrapped up in the aftermath because of her ex-husband Jeff's involvement. Wow, I didn't have one mistake that whole time. That was pretty good. That um, may be the best anyone has ever read a synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> What a story um, that no one knew before this. <laughs> um, yeah, so me and Caleb both watched this for the first time this week. But when was the first time like you watched this movie? There's a, another podcast called Punch Up the Jam where they talk about music. And in one of the hosts, uh, Demi Adijuibe, loves I, Tanya, And mm -hmm. he talks about it a lot. And um, I was like, okay, I got to watch this movie, I guess. Then... Uh, yeah, I think it was, I think it was this mm. past fall. Yeah. This is what made me watch it. But I think his like love of the movie also like made me want to watch it more, I guess. Cause it's like, I always wanted to see it since it came out. Cause it was like a big awards movie and I've always been interested in Tanya Harding's story. I think it's very interesting. I think it's actually interesting maybe sometimes in ways that this movie doesn't address, but I always thought it was interesting. Um, so I wanted to watch it since then, but then like. He has a, a few reviews on Letterboxd of it where it's like just praising it in so many different aspects of it. So that definitely made me more interested to watch it. So I was glad when you picked it because wanting to watch it for a while. And this gives I feel like with a podcast, that's like just the secret reason we started it. It just gives us reasons to watch things that like we never give ourselves permission to watch. So, you know, mm -hmm. that is what this was a little bit for me. Yeah, I have to admit. I had not seen this movie, but I had seen many of the Sebastian Stan scenes <laughs> <laughs> from either like YouTube compilations or like fan cams. Um, so it was nice to have them in context mm. of the film. Did it ruin the fan cams though? No. Okay. I mean, I gotta say, he's I don't got think really there's can. some great yeah. there are great fits in here. He bashes the mustache in the beginning, but I think the mustache really works. I gotta say. Yeah, I think he can pull Definitely. it off. Definitely. I think he could pull off whatever he wanted to. 
Oh, was that a double entendre? Because that's it was pretty me. good. Yeah. So uh, why did you pick this one? I mean, obviously, we're talking about fourth wall breaks, but what like draws you, I guess, to this movie? Um, I guess it's that they have both kinds of fourth wall breaks. They've got the kind where it's the talking head, like two camera, unbroken. And then there's the other kind where, like at one point, Tanya pumps a shotgun and she looks at the camera and says, this never happened. Um, at another time, her trainer looks right into the camera and says, this actually happened. And she actually did this too. And those two kinds where it's like the talking head and the breaking the fourth wall, like while they're in it, is very similar to another one of the movies that we're going to yeah. talk about in this episode. So yeah, yeah, definitely out of all of the three, this is the one that I thought used it the most. And it's really interesting how many different ways they they use it. Because like you said, we, they do have the interview aspect, which um, is a thing I think feel like a lot of movies are kind of trying. Because there was well, the terrible movie, um, Being the Ricardos, that one did it. That was bad. Um, but like the fake documentary kind of thing which is just it's an interesting thing that that people are kind of playing with so it has those elements um but like then you said it also has the more classic fourth wall breaks where the character turns to the camera and addresses the audience like directly uh i think the best use of it is when she talks to the audience and is like you are all my abusers which was like a really interesting um idea because that is like kind of the story around her be uh, similar to like a Tammy Faye kind of character where the media kind of just uses her as like a punching bag for their comedy and their just what they're what they want to talk about and get in the news so yeah that was probably what struck me most is that one moment but I did think it was interesting how many different times they used it and how they used it all throughout the movie it's really heavy when I love that yeah, moment. It's too. definitely like my favorite part of the movie because that's what I'm most interested in is like the public's response in reaction to her and how that affected and I like how that affected her and also how that kind of comments on like the cycle that a lot of the media seems to go through um, with women and victimizing mm. them. Yeah. No, it's a lot like um, you ever seen Chicago? I have not. No. Oh, okay. Well, they have this part where one of the women says to the other one, like, uh, like, I was famous for a day. And then the other one says something like, that's Chicago, baby. And I always think about that because it's like, it's so like, we're only going to help you out to the point where it will help us out. And then even at that, once we're done with yeah, you, we're going to throw you mm -hmm. away. Well, it's like they end it with showing the OJ Simpson thing starting mm -hmm. where it's like, that's going to be the next big thing. And it's not. Like, all this, even though it ruined her life, is, like, behind the media. Like, the media doesn't care anymore. It just, like, drop kicks the woman into whatever their new existence is. Yeah, definitely. And, like, they do mention, like, offhand where it's, like, this was the beginning of the 24-hour news cycle. Like, they needed to fill that space. And so it's interesting, I think, to look at when 24-hour news started to become more popular and then also compare that to like what public figures were coming out of that time and what was being covered and how many different people were just kind of getting thrown through the news cycle and then like thrown out. Um, and she was one of like the earlier ones, which I mean, and for good reason, because I think like she, her story is very interesting. And that's why I think that she has so many like documentaries and like 
I've seen, I've heard podcast series about her, and I'll watch this movie. There's the Sufjan song. The Sufjan song. I listened to it after I watched this because, like, man, I forgot about that song. Uh, it's a good song. No, but I do think he wrote those songs for this movie because, like, he heard the movie was being written, and he wrote them and, like, sent them to them, but they didn't like them, and she didn't like them. So they did not hmm. use them, which is a bummer. But Wacky. imagine Sufjan Stevens writes a song about you, and you're just like, no, I don't like it. This is not... <laughs> What a crazy mindset to be like, there's a movie coming out soon. I guess I'll write the original <laughs> music for it. And then, and then like, without yeah, just consulting like, anyone. And then they're just it. like, yeah, we didn't ask you to do this, bud. But that thank just you, walks into thank this, you. walks into the record label. Just like, guys, I wrote some yeah, music yeah. for your movie if you want it. Um, no pressure. Uh, Kayla, what was your thoughts on this movie? Because um, your review is interesting. So. What what oh wait what was my it wasn't review? interesting I just I just said that oh I didn't make because <laughs> you didn't make a review because <laughs> I was like I'm pretty sure I did that's why not I'm interested because you didn't make a review no didn't see anything the yeah. reason I did not write a review was because I realized when I was going to bed last night that I would not have time today to watch it hmm. and then I was like oh crap it's like 11:30 at night I need to watch this movie and so I finished it at like 2 a.m. maybe. Yeah, it you know it is what it, it is. is. What it I is. didn't write a review, <laughs> uh, okay. but like it was enough to keep me awake. Yeah, to watch that's it. always uh, a good sign. So I feel like it was no. engaging enough. Um, yeah, I find stories like this really interesting because it almost is like uh, I don't know. It feels kin to like true crime, mm. but like without the crime, like mm-hmm. that, like where it's like you know a serial killer or something. Like, it's just a whack job dude who was, you know, abusive and manipulative and trying to do something to, like, mm-hmm. win her back. And stuff like that is so interesting. I'm into all the, like, conspiracies where it's like, who knew what and what actually happened mm-hmm. and what was said behind closed doors and blah, 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 blah. So I find all that really interesting. And I think with something like this, obviously, you have to take a certain... um liberty of storytelling and i appreciated that they i I think the fourth wall breaks helped with this but to make it not so serious but also serious so they were able to do kind of i don't know funnier more unique creative things um that sort of make it the indie film that it was or like very representative of 2017 when this came out it feels very like that phase of independent movies um, so I really appreciated that because I feel like it makes, not that this story is necessarily fun, but it makes it kind of more presentable in a more palatable way when you're watching it mm-hmm. uh, to engage yourself with it. So I liked that. And I also think it represents like her personality better too than like if this was like a yeah. standard biopic. I don't know. Like it, it is a little bit more abrasive, a little bit more like in your face and i think that represents like her skating style and what she wanted to represent for the skating world and what she still does and so i think like that like obviously i think was an intentional choice too to like match who the subject was even about and make the movie's tone fit that rather than trying to make like a very serious biopic about someone who's like i don't know i don't think it would have worked if it was in that style yeah and i appreciate that they didn't make her um 
I don't know, that they made her kind of hard and they made her, like, scrappy. So it wasn't like they were trying to present this angel-like image of mm-hmm. her. Like, obviously, when you watch it, you're going to side with her. Um, but it's yeah. still, like, she is a hard and abrasive character. And in certain situations, you know, it's like, maybe I wouldn't support her doing this or doing this or this kind mm-hmm. of step she made or took. Um, so I appreciate that they didn't just like make her perfect. Yeah, make her a perfect character. That they showed you kind of some of her flaws. Yeah, and her just her more harsh personality and loud personality in this kind of, I guess, nice pristine figure skating world. Yeah, no, it's on. It's like the coolest part of it is like, uh, like you were talking about true crime a little bit. Like that is like such a landmine of ethical nightmares especially like in a world where like every day like more like mortifying like true crime stuff comes out on like netflix and hulu and what have you and for them to be like we're going to touch this story that happened like 20 years ago or well no yeah, 30 years ago the 80s at this were point. Not 20 years ago because it's like i'm doing the 90 i'm doing the i'm doing that old maybe. thing yeah, I just pulled out the millennial time warp on you. But what I'm saying is, like, they they, they really, like, got really bold with it. And mm-hmm. I think that's really mm-hmm. impressive. Definitely. They were going to tell that story even though it's, like, not what people want to hear. It's not convenient. It's not, it's, like, perfectly devastating. And that's, yeah, that's yeah, really Yeah, definitely. Cool. I do think, I don't know if this is because I already know so much about the story, like, going into this. Uh, the parts about the Nancy Kerrigan attack to me were the least interesting. Like, I do think that like they were oh, done yeah. well, but I am much more interested in her than I am in what is still an amazing Paul Walter Hauser performance. Like his performance is really funny. Amazing. Um, Love him. But I, I definitely was much more into how she was impacted by everything. Um, mm. And I think like, especially her relationship with her mother was like a really great addition that if that wasn't in here, I think it would be it, the movie wouldn't really work because I think that works to make you care about her on a different level. Because I think you're always going to care about her on the level where like she was basically like her livelihood was taken away by these guys, you know, and that's going to have that. But I think the mother makes you care about her on a more human and like emotional level as well. Because even if you don't like have that exact relationship with your own parent, I think that's something that's like more can be universal is like the feeling to want to be accepted and just like validated, which we already kind of talked about validation. So yeah, yeah. it helps that they cast uh McKenna Grace as her. Yes. Younger that self was a great casting choice. She can sell anything mm-hmm. like anything I see her in. I'm just like, she's the standout performance and like her being a sad um, child and, screaming about her dad leaving oh, i just that was like so sad oh my yeah. gosh this little baby oh you just want the world for her and then like you see her succeeding and you're like i don't know it just is really sad because you know you do see she's having this massive success despite where she came from and like how difficult that life is in the figure skating world and how so much of it is about image and you get a small taste of that uh, but just the fact that something that was completely out of her hands uh, just destroyed her that from the choices that other people made. Right, yeah. 
that's very sad. And the dialogue too, like there's a part where her dad and her are mm-hmm. shooting rabbits and her dad says like, yeah. uh, or no, she says, do you love my mom? And he says, well, do you love her? And she says something like, um, yeah. And he says like, but not the same way you love me. And that is like, it's just so perfect because he, like it's such a um, accurate representation of that because even if like you have the best parent in the world or the worst parent in the world, you're not going to feel all the way one direction about them. You're going mm-hmm. to have some mixed feelings no matter what. And obviously, I mean, I don't think I'm the right person to be making those, you know, perspective calls. But like for the most part, that has been most of my friends' experience about that. Yeah. And I think with the mother, it's like, even though she loves skating, being able to see her from like being born to the end of the story um, shows how like she really never until now, I guess, like was able to have any control over her life, you know, because like her mother basically made her skate when she was like just able to walk. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just really interesting, like how all the characters around her even though she is like very passionate and determined, she is a very passive character in her own story, which I think is intentional until the ending where she takes a more active role over her life, which, yeah. So I think that definitely having that perspective of her childhood is really helpful because most of the story just starts, most documentaries and stuff just start like when she was 16 or 17 or whatever. Plus, we all know the other th- stuff, too. Right, exactly, like, yeah. We we all know the Nancy Kerrigan story. We all know it. So seeing the things that we never saw prior to it is what's the most... Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, definitely. Or... Um, yeah, she's really interesting. And I, I, I always think it's also interesting when people make biopics like this when people are still alive and, like, how that affects... Because I do think, like, like you said, it is pretty... Like, they do give her flaws, but it's just interesting to think, like, what would the, this have been if it was made in, like, 20 years, I guess? I mean, obviously, it's going to be different, but just, like, thinking about what, how the perspective will be of someone once they're actually, like, not here anymore. It's just... Sure. Yeah, you never know. Never know. Uh, anything else on this one before we move on to option number two, which is a full-on heist-style time? Mm. Wow. No, Perfect. I'm good. Kayla, what movie is this next one that we will be discussing. Uh, it is American Animals. From 2018. From 2018. We're moving up in the years. All These are actually in chronological order, all three of these. Wow. I was about to say, too, they're also all, like, crime movies. Like, each of them is centered around a crime. So true. Yeah. I was, I forgot, about, I was going to bring this up. I had a plan in oh. my head hatched. I thought I was going to say... All of them involve some manner of an external law enforcement organization. Like, they all do involve some manner of police, but, like, th- like one involves the FBI, one involves the, um, whatever the, like, yeah, that the lawyers, thing is. Right? He's I a can't lawyer. what they're called. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, D- the Department of Justice, the DOJ? Yes, them. Thank you. And then uh, in American Animals, they have... Um, yeah, FBI is at the end. I guess they right? also have yeah. the FBI. But, but yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's all, they're like a looming presence kind of for all of these characters. Yeah, interesting. Definitely. And they again, they all have fourth wall breaks. This one is more, uh, I would say, the, the talking head stuff. 
And so it's interesting because like the Itania was both. Yeah. And I think like now we'll kind of see what the other two are more when they're just in their own movie. Um, mm-hmm. What about Joe? Do you want to read this synopsis? Do you want to take a crack at this one? Absolutely. I would love to. Okay. John James Audubon's Birds of America is on display in the Special Collections Library at Transylvania University, tempting four bored college students to exchange their unextraordinary lives for something right out of a movie. Will these amateur thieves pull off the heist of a lifetime, or will they reap the consequences of the survival of the fittest? Isn't it Ooh, good? good? And is a nod to the yeah. Charles Darwin, because it's got the Darwin book, too. Wow. Wow, I was really proud of that one. I gotta yeah. say. <laughs> oh man, so so many layers. Um, yeah, this movie I've wanted to see this for again also a while. Um, it's like a, one another one of those indie movies where you hear hype about it, you hear people talk about it, and then like it just kind of goes under the radar for you, and then they're always hard to convince yourself to watch afterwards. I feel like I don't know. Well, it's funny because yeah. Hannah talked about this one in our triple feature with her because Barry is uh, in this movie. And so that's when it was kind of more on my radar. Like, I, I had kind of known about mm. it, but at that point when she talked about it, I was like, oh. And then it was like, oh, this is actually a film movie that, like, all kinds of film people, like, love and talk about. I guess I just was, like, not paying attention to films in, like... The, these couple of years, mm. 2017, 2018. Yeah, and the, I mean, 2018 has so many of my, my favorites, but the marketing, it makes sense why you wouldn't have seen these, though, because the marketing for this movie was so unconventional. Like, they didn't have a poster, so they just talked to a bunch of, like, random poster artists. They were like, um, make this, we have a competition, whatever. So if you look online, just like American Animals poster, there's tons of ones where people have like painted them and stuff. Um, on top of that, all of the, or not all of that, but many of the trailers were done kind of like they were like doing like a mock Ocean's 8 thing. Mm-hmm. Like it was the exact same graphics. As uh, Ocean's yeah, I 8. remember seeing the trailer Do for you remember this movie, this? yeah. And they would be like kind of, they were kind of <laughs> making it seem like it was a better movie, which... I wouldn't say it is, but um, it definitely is, um, you know, it's definitely right, in the yeah. same. It's, I mean, film, and I, I think th- probably leaning more into the heist thing because it's hard to market this as like, well, it's hard to market a movie that's about like disillusionment with the American dream, I guess. I don't know. Like heist is just an easier thing to just give people. <laughs> and they're like, yeah, yeah I like heists. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah. So do you want to get a little bit into why you picked this one? What? draws you to this kind of this movie in particular yeah my first semester of college i was not going to a uh, community college i transferred out and in my, that first um pretty awful semester because it was like the beginning of the pandemic nobody really knew how to socialize in a pandemic at college it was it was like really awful um i spent something like 20 bucks on this movie without having seen it at all like and i and i it was literally just the trailer that had sold me. And so this has always been a movie that like, I have been like, very fiercely in um, defense of. Uh, nobody really, like, I've never interacted with somebody who's like, this is a bad movie, but if that were to happen, this is, this is the hill I die on. And uh, <laughs> it's definitely the most disturbing movie, well, unsettling movie that I would mm. consider myself to be in enjoyment of. 
I mean, there's one scene, and I don't know if we'll talk about it, but there's one scene where it's like mm-hmm. incredibly difficult to watch, and like I always skip it, but like even so, like I don't know. I I think yeah, yeah it's an it interesting well. tone. I mean, that this yeah this movie kind of sets because it has to go through so many different styles. Um, like you said, it does have the heist element, and I mean, they use the needle drops. It's like it feels like an Ocean's movie at some points. Um, but then they have it turn into like a very like heavy drama at some points and then sometimes like a thriller or yeah. And so it's like they, they have to balance a lot of different ideas um, and as well as it just, just being like a pseudo documentary because they do use the real people that were in involved in the heist in this movie as like throughout the movie they come in giving their perspective. Sometimes they're put into the movie as like um, they're just like watching the events happen with us so it's it's a very ambitious uh film for what it could have been which is like they could have just done a regular heist movie and not have included the more subtextual elements but they wanted to which i think is cool yeah i think that it's just kind of one of those things where like like i it i feel like it could be it could have been if it was marketed the normal way it could be the new like typical college mm. film bro movie like it could have been like reservoir dogs that's really the vibe it's like young men lots of unchecked testosterone with like kind of i mean it's not really a college backdrop yeah. but like it's there at one point we see like two of them in a class um but other than that it's like pretty darn like just people like being independent. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, I think it is like, yeah. it has that vibe. I don't know if it would ever have turned into like a film bro thing. Cause I think it's too aware of its own, f- like the flaws in that for that. Oh like, yeah. I should say film bro with a positive connotation. Right. We'll because, say that. Yeah. Because like they, <laughs> I think they bring up the reservoir dogs references. I mean, in like the Tarantino stuff intentionally because it's like a commentary on those movies and the people that like those movies. Not that like, I mean, Reservoir Dogs is my favorite Tarantino movie, but like, I think there is that connotation with that and the kind of culture that those movies created and can create. Um, And so like this movie could have been that, but then it kind of like they subverted that Mm -hmm. expectation, which is cool. Yeah. I think what was interesting is last night I watched um, Alfred Hitchcock's Rope. Ah, oh, what a movie! I what a film! This one today, uh, yeah, quite quite a good film. Uh, but it was funny because both are like, you know, these preppy sort of mm. white privileged college boys or ex college boys who think they can get away with whatever they want, and they kind of just do things. Mm-hmm. to feel like to feel them and to just do them and be like what does it feel like to kill someone and get away with it let's you try you guys are cut out for me uh, what does it feel like to steal this book i don't know it's so interesting that they're able to tap into that in this cuz i think that's one of the most interesting elements is these guys are obviously idiots mm. uh they have no idea what they're doing but they think that they can do it because probably a lot of the privilege they've had in life or because of a certain personality that they have where they're like we can get away with this no problem no biggie like let's 
steal this book and sell it for millions of dollars and we'll be rich. Yeah. And they have no plan to launder the money either. Like, they'll just inexplicably get millions of dollars. Oh, so dumb. I I love heist films. And when I didn't know much about this film, actually, um, and when I started it today... I texted Noah and I was like, oh no, this is an art heist film. <laughs> like, this is going to pull me back in. Um, <laughs> I like art heists specifically is like my niche of heist films. Um, and so I, when it started, I would consider myself a heist expert at this point. <laughs> and okay. when if I they, ever need something, I'll call you. Yeah, call me. <laughs> I got you. I'll, I'll pull off a heist with you. Um, and so when they started and he's, like, starting to do these things and he's trying to find a fence and they're like, I don't know, what's a fence? Oh, I was like, oh, no, we're going downhill <laughs> <call>. already. Like, <laughs> if, if they can't, like, even know what a fence is, I was like, we're done. They don't know they're what a fence is. Yeah. It's, they're going to get caught. Um, so it's just kind of funny. Yeah, the whole thing is a shit show. I think that's what makes it so interesting, too. Mm. Is while you're watching them, you know it's gonna go badly yeah. just because of how, I don't know, unhinged and chaotic yeah. they are. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because this is not really like a full-on spoiler, but there are two, quote unquote, like high stays that they have where they they do it once and then they fail and they do it again. And both times at before, like they get to the heist place, like the music is like blaring. The cuts are like really friend like it feels like they're really cool and they have it all figured out. And then once they get to the library, it's like everything slows down to a halt and you like feel like how they have no idea what they're doing. Like especially when he goes up both times to the like the room and you see his face and it's like, Oh, this guy is in way over his head. Like and it's really um really interesting because like it gets you in their heads a little bit where yeah. it's like you can feel the adrenaline and like the yeah, they could probably pull this off. It's just like a book. Like they could just get the book, and then they get there and like, oh no, like this is gonna be a nightmare. Yeah. When he throws up in the on the side of the road, that is, I mean, for me, that's when it really settled in. Like, cause like when they're, I mean, uh, the scene where they, shall we say, disable the librarian, is so like you don't want to watch, you don't want to look away, you just want to like for it to be over. And um, then when he throws up, it kind of feels like, okay, now like the rest of this movie, we're no longer just mm. like a bunch of college boys joyriding. Yeah. Like this is gone well, serious. You can see it in their faces, you know, like they realize what they, what like. Now they've, they've crossed the line. What they're getting them or have got themselves into at this point And like, they can't go back. Um, it's like almost like an immediate yeah. like um, shift for the characters where. Not like it's a coming of age moment in the traditional sense, but it kind of is a little bit where like they realize like, oh, this is this was an awful idea. I have three little facts about this movie. I forgot I was going to say them. Oh, amazing. I love a good fact. Fun fact time. Yeah. Okay. So there's a scene, the scene where they go to New York, aka the only fun scene to watch. Um, yes. You know what I'm talking about? Um, they There's a part where Evan Peters makes out with this woman at this bar. And it's only for like three seconds of a shot. Mm-hmm. And um, the woman who was that day player, that like uh, extra, she didn't know that that's what she had signed up for. Like she got there on set that day and the director was like, would you feel comfortable like just kissing uh, this guy once? And she was like, 
yeah, okay, like, whatever. I'm sure she was, like, paid more for it or something. I mean, who would say no? It's Evan Peters. And, um, and then the director, Bart Layton, was, like, looking at a monitor or something. And then he turned around and they were rehearsing. They were, like, making out, like, fully. And he didn't, like, give them any notes or anything. And, uh, and they just rolled the camera. And that is what ended up in the film. Um, wow. Love it. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I have two more. The, there's a scene where Spencer is talking about, um, like, he's, like, getting interviewed for college. And there's, like, all this dust on either side of him. And the art department just used plants that produced, like, spores. And they just, like, rubbed them together for a while. And then they just, like, rolled camera and they only had, like, 30 seconds or something before they dispersed into the air. So that's not actually dust. That's just, like, little, like, spores from plants. Oh, wow. I know. It's, that's, that is, wow. that's interesting, actually. That's yeah. a creative cinematographer. And then the only other thing I had was... Um, there's a scene where Spencer is working at a grocery store and everything is like super vibrant, but also like really desaturated at the same time. It's trying to show like how bleak it is what they're doing while also like showing that they're like trying to have a good time with it. And it's, Mm. it just works on so many levels. Yeah. I think it definitely captures that feeling of like, you're just doing something in college or like in that age of your stage of your life. And like, you don't know why really, and especially like if those interviews are like, oh yeah, what what really draws you to this art form? And it's he's just like, I don't know, I just started drawing. Um, he says this to the audience, not to them, the interviewers. Um, like I just started drawing, and like I just draw. But like you can feel that sense of like no having no direction in life, and like just feeling like you need something like a purpose, and that is what this like heist served for them. And I think it's interesting. His character is probably my the one I'm most interested in when I'm watching Spencer, because I think he feels the most like the audience where you do understand that feeling, but then you also feel like, I feel you're watching. Like, I I feel like they got the experience they needed. Like they don't need to do it. They, they bonded. They, I think it's fine if you want to come up with potential high stop ideas. I think that's a great bonding experience. Sounds really fun. So (laughs) I think if they just stopped like halfway through the movie, this would be a great, great example of just like a friend group you know just just vibing um but then the second half of the movie happens yeah um, but i think that's what he feels like and you can feel like that maybe even before they do the heist he has kind of found some more sense of peace with like where he is but they're so far in it at that point and it's like man that sucks <laughs> yeah i think the first heist could have worked better like the disguise yeah i don't know why they didn't disguise themselves afterwards that was a real bad call also like surely old men aren't that distracting like that's kind of a spoiler but surely like i mean it's in the trailer so it's okay but like surely like people weren't actually just like an old person oh my god like that's a pretty standard thing yeah and like the uh he said spencer said is like old people are invisible which is true is that like if an old person is in a library you're not like I don't know you're not really thinking anything of it and the fact that like i think i think they show you that scene from their perspective well of like where they think everybody is watching mm-hmm. them and they think that like 
they're gonna get caught and all this but really it's their own like stress that's amplifying the situation from their perspective and I think that's what happens in the second one second heist day too where it's like their own like stress and their own um I don't know being unprepared was what really failed them and so that's really interesting the way that that was all like shot and stuff yeah. No, I saw in your letterbox review that you said that you would not have gotten caught. Do you think that if you were the consultant on this one, the crime consultant, that you would have advised them in the right direction? I would have, yes. <laughs> of course. You would have been like, we need a disguise, guys. The, the the old men off us were the right way to go. I mean, the makeup looked pretty yeah. good. I, I, a couple of, like, there was one where I was like, eh. But there's, there was a, a few of them looked, like, pretty convincing. Yeah, it's definitely good enough. That, like, in passing, no one is taking really a second glance at it. I don't know. I think their heist really fell apart in the room. Like, I think there's got to be another added layer to it to, like... I mean, I'm all for heists that don't harm people as well. I'm a very, like... Not that I perform heists, but I'm a very, like... (laughs) Kayla's just casually, like... Yeah, no, the heists that I pull off, we leave everyone alive. And, you know, that's just how we <laughs> yeah. do it. I think there could have been some other um, distraction or play of the game mm. that, like, clears the space without having um, her in there in a different way. I don't know what that would be. I'd have to, like, stake out the place and see what's going on and so you want stuff, more like but... gentlemen thieves less of the like brawn yes, yeah, 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 yeah 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 well you know they oh, could yeah. have maybe created a distraction outside maybe like figured out something that would get her to leave the room without like thinking about leaving this guy in there i think they could have yeah they um, could have seduced yeah. her they could have they could have gone in that's the old men that would have been really fun there yeah, you go they could oh and then it like had like his mustache fall off at the end of it and they're all like scampering out of there with the book and he's like uh and then they just run away yeah because i think heist heist themselves are their own art form when done (laughs) properly so like if you're watching a true like heist expert it's like the way they do it is art itself and so something like this it's like it's not art. They're just doing it to do yeah, it. Yeah, that's like how earlier in the movie when they're planning it out and they're wearing the suits and he's got his hair slicked back. Do you know what I'm talking And they, yeah. And uh-huh. they put the thing over the thing and then they're like super suave with it. And he picks out one book and he's like reading it. And that's what you mean? Like that? Yes. Okay. Yeah. All day, every day. That <laughs> is how I want eyes to be. <laughs> that's how I do my, I mean. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's how I imagine my heists. Um yeah with uh, specifically relating to like the fourth wall breaks and the documentary stuff i think that's one thing that we should maybe talk about because i think it definitely changes how the movie uh how you've come out of the movie feeling you know because i think if it had just ended with them going to jail you would have maybe got the same themes but i think them having them seeing them later in life and like hearing their thoughts on it really changes a lot of the perspective and it deepens a lot of the themes um especially how like you it kind of comes into play with like the unreliable narrator thing where it's like did that he actually go to the um, where is it austria um and meet with these people and it's funny because like you you're watching it think yeah why did i even think that like he actually went there 
and did all of these things, but you just believe it because you see it. Um, so what is what do you guys think about like those elements and how they affect the movie? Can you ask it again in a different way? Well, just like the element of like having, how does it change it having oh, them like them in the movie? I think, I mean, primarily what I was thinking was, you know, there's like this meme that went around. I think when um, the Queen biopic came out, where like it says like actor and biopic, the person in real life, and it's like the person in real life is like a great deal less attractive than the actor <laughs> yes and for this it was just so jarring to see like like the guy who uh the real warren was like oh okay yeah and 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 while that is like very you know it sounds superficial when you think about it it's like yeah because like it's we're seeing like people who are paid to be pretty and then mm. we see like the real cold like actual kind of people and then it just kind of settles in like oh no this really this was really devastating oh and at the beginning um you were you were saying like how does it affect the movie having the the um uh talking heads at the beginning when one of the guys's dads is crying mm. that was like that was i think truly was when it locked it in for me i was like oh i'm gonna sit through this whole thing mm. yeah and i think it could because a lot of the movie is about like again the unreliable narrator thing or seeing things with like different lenses and i think that can play in it to it too where like these aren't this isn't an exact representation of how it went down this is like in their heads so they're obviously going to not remember things as clearly as they actually happened um and that can be like you know they look a little different when they're younger they don't remember how, exactly how they look they might romanticize some of right. that stage of their lives um so i think it can work in that way too where it's like it really is their memory and not a one-to-one -one of like reality which i think is a lot more interesting than if it was just like this is what happened and they went to jail and don't do bad things because yeah <laughs> i think it adds a lot more layers to it yeah mm -hmm. i couldn't help thinking the whole time like as in from an editor's standpoint i was like okay was this actually the part of the interview where they were talking about this thing or did they pull this reaction from like a different part of the interview and like cut it here for emotional effect yeah. i just kept like which kind of makes it more interesting in a way because it's like y you do realize that while maybe the people are an unreliable narrator maybe the movie itself is an unreliable mm -hmm. narrator because you're like, people did cut this the way they wanted to tell this story mm -hmm. and these people said the stuff the way they wanted to tell the story. So like, yeah. it, it's so interesting. Yeah. Well, there's a moment when like the interview, the one of the guys that's being interviewed says something and then the person in the movie says that exact same thing. So, I mean, that yes. shows that the interviews were made before they shot the scenes and everything. Mm. But I think that sure. also, like you said, it's like, this is ex how they told the story and we're just watching their recreation of it. Yeah. The it's, I'd be really interested to see like the, how the writing process went for this. Cause they maybe had yeah. like a script and then the interviews in changed maybe some of it, how they decide to approach it. Really interesting, like editing for sure. 
Yeah, those interviews are real, by the way, completely. They yeah. that's just the director and two other guys, and then the subject. I've listened to the director's commentary mm, five, seven times. Oh wow! And, <laughs> and I, I, uh, you know, you got to get your money's worth when you pay twenty dollars sure. on the iTunes store. And um, he talks about how like it was like such a like raw moment where they had told them what they're going to talk about ahead of time, which is mm. just kind of basic documentary ethics. But um, like other than that, like. It was just completely a raw little sit down. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And I really liked how it was all in like different locations that like maybe best represented them. Like especially how he was in his studio. And then when it at the end when they panned and it showed more of his artwork. That was really cool. Because um, I was like, wait, is he a, like a like a con- what the construction worker, like a carpenter now? Like he changed right. paths. But then it's cool how you see all the birds and like that's that is really interesting. Um, like I said, he's my favorite character because I think he has the most, oh, easily. the most to him in that way. And I think they know that too. Like they purposely gave him all yeah. of that. Like they drag out his final text at the end. Like, cause you're like, what, ha- what did he do? Um, so it's yeah, obviously yeah, yeah. like they're really leading you to like care about him the most. Yeah. The, how did you guys feel about the score? Was it noticeable for you? Mm, I mean, I don't know if I really... I don't usually notice the score the first time I watch a movie unless okay. it's really apparent. I I noticed obviously the needle drops were very obvious, um, but there like was the some of this. There was some of yeah. the score where it was like a propulsive like beat, and I think it really did add to some of the tension, especially in the scene where um, it's towards the end. Uh, I don't, and it's like they're getting maybe it's when they're getting arrested, and it's like the tension keeps building, and then it just cuts immediately. Um, that yeah. was, I noticed that definitely, and I think it it is a lot. It is underscore, but it is good under. It's like good underscore. Um, yeah. And that yeah. there's a difference because some underscore can feel like very cheap, but I think this underscore works very well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I agree. All right, should we move on? Sure, let's do it. All right, we, sh- we should. <laughs> Number three. Yeah, that one. Yeah, was I noticed was the time about that for a while, but. It was good. It's okay. a good movie. Huh. Uh, you, what is this last one here? This one is a little more unknown. So we're getting into the, yeah. the indies here. This is the most fun movie out of all of these by miles and miles. The first, I feel like the first two, like, um, I, Tanya will make you feel a deep depression. Um, American Animals will make you feel upset. And Buffalo will just make you feel angry and a little satisfied. And I think mm. that's mm-hmm. uh, a good way to, to end it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you don't want to end your audience on a downer. You want to give yeah. them something that feels like there's hope in the end. And I think the ending yeah. of this movie does have like that. It, it feels very like it wraps up the story in a nice way while still feeling like the character will have a life after this, which is good. And nice. And it's more of a call to action. It's less of a yeah. this crappy thing happens. Definitely. Definitely. Kayla, you do you want to read this one? Do you want to lead, us, sure. lead us out here? Yeah. Peg Dahl is a hustler with a knack for understanding finances. In an attempt to make money to pay for college, Peg ends up in jail after selling forged NFL tickets. When she gets released, she struggles to find work until she stumbles across a debt collection agency run by the kingpin of debt collectors himself. 
Will Peg be able to use her smarts to stand up against the collectors and her own mountain of bills? <laughs> or will she lose everything because of the bills? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Um... I've been. Yeah. I was on a roll with these. You were. You were. They, I think they. 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 They increased in 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 quality. The like the last two were especially were very good. Um, thank you. I think with this movie, it's one of those where it's so specific that it just like makes you want to keep watching. Um, because like there's so many specific details that you can tell are like personal to the director and the writer. Um, and it's like, there's nothing else like it. Like it's such a, there's, it's, there's so many like specific things that happen that it could only have been written by this one person, which I think is always really fun. Mm. Yeah. Well, should we do first impressions? I guess. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, loved this. I feel like it's just uh, like, I have loved this since I first saw it and it's just like such a nice little, um, it's like. Uh, what's the movie um the big short on a smaller mm-hmm. more more local scale yeah. and um it's done in a way that is like very it's less of like i i mean this is coming from one of them but it's less of a white man white straight man who's like you know like kind of gaming the system mm-hmm. and more of just like a robin hood type figure because like in when like i love the big short and i love movies like that but they're really the like wealth redistribution is really incomplete because like it's not like it's the uh the somebody robbing from the rich and giving to the poor it's someone taking money from the rich and giving it to themselves and not really giving it back to the poor because like when they like take from the um, housing market and all these big banks, it's not like the people who the banks wronged are like benefiting from it at all. And I don't know. I just really like this because of Yeah. That. I mean, I think it's like if it had stayed, if this was like a movie like The Big Short, like if Adam McKay was making this movie, it would have stayed at the mm-hmm. first, the first place. Because I think that place is like basically what like a Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing. Um, and it would have maybe yeah. followed that guy. Um, and it would have been, obviously, they're not saying he's, like, a great guy. It's more of, like, a cautionary tale kind of thing. Oh, yeah, but yeah, yeah. But in this one, like, like we Vice. take a different perspective, which is, like, she doesn't want... She's, like, she obviously is pretty self-centered, especially in the beginning. But she's more a lot more like, I think, the audience. And... And a lot more likable. Doesn't want to be like robbing this old lady like a million times and just kind of wants yeah. to um, have a good life and live up to what she thinks like her dad's expectations were, I guess. She just wanted yeah. to go to college. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she was in, in the same boat as all of us. She wanted the money to go to college. <laughs> Who doesn't? Yeah. Who doesn't? Um... Yeah, I really do like also the, the the NFL ticket scene. That's really funny. And oh it, yeah, it, it it has like that light tone where like it is very serious in some points, but it always like manages to light lighten the tone because you have again like you have the climax where she kind of exposes everyone, um, and that is very intense because you're like, is they, are they gonna find out? They found the camera. Oh my word. Um, but then they like see the Bills game and the Bills win, like oh yeah, and it's like it really grounds it in reality in that way, where it's like 
life obviously yeah. has really moments that are like really intense and serious, but there's also moments where it's like, oh, but the Bills are going to win. So let's just drop everything for a second and then mm. we'll get back to arresting you guys. Um, yeah, I really like those elements. Yeah, this movie is definitely the candy. It's definitely the dessert of the of the mm. trio. It's like so much more. Like this is something I would file under like enjoyable to watch. Mm. Like if I've had like a bad day, I'm not gonna watch American <laughs> Animals. Like it's not it's not comfortable at all. This is like they win at the yeah. end, and it's just good. Yeah, and the brother for uh, Noah Reed from Schitt's Creek, he's great. Uh. He's awesome. Love him, and, and he's a great character in this too, which was. also is like great. He was a great character, and the lawyer—I forget his name—but he was in um, *Coming to America*, the the sequel, and I really liked him in that movie, but I didn't like that movie, so I was glad to see him in this, where it was a good movie and he was still good. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of interesting performances in this. I think it's cool because at first, um, I was kind of annoyed by the main character like because it's like she's very like herself um and it's like as the movie goes you learn to like like her more i think and i don't know it's like a lot of main characters i think maybe are sanitized for the audience um but in this one it just presents who she is and she's a very specific caricature that I haven't really seen in a movie like this specific kind of character. And I really liked seeing that because you can get kind of tired of seeing the same characters in every movie. And she, I've never seen a character that is quite like her since. So I really like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it helped once they had that old lady scene Yeah, where she was like, wait, you've scammed her before. Um, Cause then you can kind of see her ethical boundaries because at first you're like, okay, she's a con artist. She's doing all these things, maybe for better reasons uh, than most people. But like at that point when it flips, you're like, oh, okay. So she does have a moral boundary where she's not just doing it to gain profits like these other people are. Like she wants there to be some level of of it being ethical um she obviously maybe this isn't as ethical as doing other things uh but it's cool that they do that so that that at that point you can kind of be like maybe i do want to cheer for her a little bit yeah i like that it's not like uh it's not just like a person who learned their lesson like there's an actual like Mm. you can actually root for somebody and that's what I love that. Yeah, definitely. Noah, you mentioned uh, The Wolf of Wall Street. Did you see that one of the top reviews on this movie on Letterboxd is um, Leonardo DiCaprio retired pitch? <laughs> <Did> you... <laughs> that's so funny. I think that's yeah, so... <laughs> yeah. Um, it is like, you do feel that influence, though, in some of those scenes, especially with the pacing and, like, the editing of, like, her settling all these debts and, like, rising to the top. Um, and I do like those seeing those influences along with maybe the more like the the family element, I think, is something that is different from those movies. And so you get a little bit of both there uh, with like the fourth wall breaks. I think this one is interesting because it does. It's mostly in the um, narration is where a lot of it happens because yeah. she's basically just addressing the audience the whole time. But there is one where 
she explains how debt collection works, like what debt collection is and who debt collectors are. Mm -hmm. Um, And it transitions to like, she's giving like a PowerPoint to the audience. Um, And that is in that moment, it is a very traditional like Ferris Bueller fourth wall break. Um, But then at the end you realize like, Oh, this was just a scene from the ending where she's giving a PowerPoint to all these other people. So it's really like it wasn't a fourth wall break. It just like was taking that scene and bringing it here. So I think that thought that was really interesting because it like flipped that your idea of what that scene was on its head. Like they just took that from the end and kind of like brought it forward. And I guess the whole movie was basically just her telling the story to those group of people. So yeah, I thought that was cool and a cool way to like, tell the story in an interesting way that's i mean that scene that you're talking about is definitely like why people think of it uh, they think adam mckay like it checks the box as soon as as soon as she hit goes Mm. like this with the like pointer it's like now we're we're in the big short again Mm. it feels like but it's not it's its own thing it's like the big short but fun (laughs) (laughs) big short but make it fun yeah and i mean like i think his movies as he's gone, he's taken himself a lot more seriously as we've seen. And some people like that. Some people don't. Yeah. But this movie, like it, I think it does have a message and like a moral, like theme behind it that they really wanted to tell, but it also like is fun and it doesn't take itself so seriously that you're going to lose the message or like just check out of it because it feels pretentious. Cause I think a lot of fourth wall breaks can feel pretentious when overdone or done in a certain way but this doesn't um it kind of just skirts the line of like nope this is still fun and just like a cool idea yeah i think the runtime helps with that too because mm. i think if it was like much longer than it is then it would exhaust um kind of its style and exhaust what it's doing because I think if this even was like 30 minutes longer or 20 minutes longer, it would be like, all right, I think I'm tapping out here yeah. on some of this. But I think the way that it's so like fast-paced anyway and she's so chaotic, like it helps that it's shorter and kind of just bounces through each part of the story. Yeah, I think it's really fun in that way. Yeah. Like it just has a lot of fun little sequences that get tied together and a lot of really fun like supporting characters too um like the different people she kind of gets together for her own yeah like the evangelist i love the event he's so funny yeah (laughs) oh my gosh he's hilarious yeah they're all um in the girls she meets in prison um i thought that was funny uh and that little scene in the prison was funny too Mm. where she was like oh i'm gonna do this and this and this and she was just like all right my bad you're a turf um (laughs) and moves on but then brings her back so that it it just has a lot of funny little moments um and character to it that i think is what really makes this film a special little indie film is because it has those kind of more unique things that it did that didn't try to be something else it just was like this is what we're gonna do and we're gonna like it and it's gonna be awesome and that's what it did yeah did you guys notice the accents at all being kind of wonky because the accents are like midwest Mm -hmm. accents but then also they do the boston thing with the like car yeah it was like i mean i am not familiar with like a buffalo accent so i was just like i just guess that's probably what it is but it was like 
definitely what stuck out to me first um is like how integrated the accents were for all of the characters like it was a part of their character each of their accents Mm -hmm. and it was all each of them was a little different too like hers was very um obvious and then i think judy greer's was like a little more muted so it was interesting and gave all their characters like their own personality like how much of the accent they actually had yeah i wonder how people from buffalo feel about this movie i mean it's small so maybe i don't know if everyone's seen it but it would be interested because like is it a represent good i mean i know they shot right, part of yeah. it there so uh, well i and i assume like the writer and maybe the director are both from buffalo like i don't think you could write this movie oh. without having been from buffalo um because like it's again so specific to that area yeah. um but yeah i don't know i would be interested to ask a person that lives in buffalo what they think of this yeah yeah. I don't know. It's like people in Minnesota, like we don't like Fargo. Mm. Like if like if you bring up Fargo around someone from Minnesota, we're like, yeah, we don't talk like that. No, like, yeah, that, those <laughs> accents are a... so thick in that movie. It's so Oh it's my God, wild. yeah. And it's it's kind of absurd. And yeah, and I think it's like, I wonder if they like it or if they don't like mm. it in Buffalo. Mm. Yeah. I don't think there's any movies like that from where I am. I just... I think all the movies Wait set in Virginia are probably about racists, is what my guess would be. Probably, so, yeah. Yeah. Some of them. Yeah, anyway, I think this movie is, I would definitely recommend it. It's on Hulu, and like you said, Kayla, it's like a really great runtime. I love a nice 90-ish minute movie, um, and it's it has like a lot of different elements to it, where it's not just like, kind of like you were saying, I guess, about movies you like where maybe it's not going to make you cry, but it does have like the comedic element, but there is also like that subtext to it, the social commentary element. Mm. Um, yeah. So you, you can get a lot out of it in that little short amount of time. Yeah. I mean, I love movies that break the fourth wall. I think it's such a bold and cool way mm. to go. Like, I really, I don't like it when they're like, when the movies are like, fuck you like 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 to your face and it's like okay like deadpool and it's like i don't need this right now like i just want to have a good time i could do a whole podcast on deadpool like that movie is i I, that movie has ruined movies oh yeah in some ways there's a lot of like yeah i don't know i think movies like that has gotten a lot of people walking away from breaking the uh from the concept of like breaking the fourth Mm -hmm. wall as like kind of a negative thing like a way to really like get your audience like kind of riled up and it's like a very like like the real eric andre crowd you know what yeah. i mean like that kind of thing yeah and but yeah i don't know i think that these movies do like a way better job no i agree yeah and i think i and i do think that breaking the fourth wall a lot of times can be like a cop-out for like just trying to like seem cool or that's why i think deadpool is annoying a lot of times um, because like, there's not really a, a narrative reason for it to happen or a story reason or like a character reason. It's just like, they wanted to do it because it is something that they can do. But I think all three of these movies use it in a way that impacts the narrative in like a very specific way. And like, if they weren't in the movie, it, they would all be like very different and yeah like they feel like very specific creative choices by the director yeah like whether or not certain ones work or don't work you can at least watch them and be like the director meant for this to be a specific um asset of their storytelling in this 
um, which I can definitely appreciate. Yeah. Yeah. The, I think, I mean, we talked about the Wolf of Wall Street. I don't know. I mean, I've only seen this one part, so maybe there's more of them than just this, but I know that there's a part where Leonardo DiCaprio kind of looks at the camera and says like, um, like, this is all too complicated for you to understand. Um, but everything that we're doing here is illegal or something. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Scorsese breaks like, the fourth okay. wall sometimes like Goodfellas he does. So yeah, he likes to do that. Right. And in that way, it's like, it's not like, like, I don't know. I think that treating your audience like they can understand the thing, like in, um, uh, Buffalo, where she kind of breaks it down is so much more effective. Cause then you actually like have a dog in the game. You're like actually like concerned, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes, you know, I would have not have known anything that was going on in Buffalo if she hadn't done that. So I was very appreciative of her explanation. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think fourth wall breaks are a really interesting topic. And for that reason, I think our question of the week should be, what is your favorite movie that breaks the fourth wall? Um, so it can be one of these. That's fine. But it also can be a lot of other movies break the fourth wall. So... You know, I don't know what you, what your favorite one is. Maybe it is uh, Ferris Bueller. Oh, for me? Well, I was just saying oh. in general to the audience. Oh, but, yeah. I mean, is, is yeah, yours yeah, yeah. one of these? or? Um, yeah, I think mine is definitely American mm. Animals. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not, that doesn't shock anybody. <laughs> yeah, I would have to think because, like, it is such a specific thing. But I don't, like, there's some movies that might only do it once and I'm just, like, forgetting. So, like, I'd have to, like, really think about it and, like think like what it's a hard thing to categorize like what movies have broken the fourth wall because you don't file them all under the same thing in your brain i'm currently looking at letterbox lists because i was like (laughs) i know i have a couple in my brain but i'm not like totally you know whatever i searched uh what Um, movies break the fourth wall on google and the only two that came were deadpool and the big short so this just fell Uh aha um those are the only two ones that do it yeah i'm seeing movies have ever done it Emperor's New Groove and Kronk's New Groove. Oh, wow. I think those are God-tier fourth wall break movies. Mm. Never seen them, but I, I do. I, yeah, that I know. Oh, that they're is so crazy. good. Those are great. I know. The, I have, like, literally just, like, Anastasia and, like, one other, like, animated movie. Mm. It's, like, that 2D animation is what I remember from my childhood. Yeah, Anastasia's I really, great. Yeah, those are like the only two that I can like think like ah I was here and doing that when I saw that. Fight Club breaks the fourth wall, so that does, and also um, Amelie breaks the fourth wall. So. Oh yes, it does. Yeah. Oh, that that would have been a good one for this too. Yeah. Yeah, I think that one is another one where like it definitely serves the story very well that she does. Yeah. Teen Beach movie. <laughs> oh, my favorite. <laughs> Fourth wall break. Oh, zombies one and zombies two also break the fourth oh, wall man. multiple times. I just does watched. Descendants, I just watched those. Does Descendants break the fourth wall too? No, Descendants does not break the fourth mm, wall. I couldn't remember. Yeah, it don't. I don't blame you. But yeah, zombie. I I noticed that when I watched those with my sisters, I was like, wow, they're breaking the fourth wall this whole movie. Yeah, they do literally like every scene. They're like just talking to the camera. It's so weird. Um, but yeah, let us know what. Uh, your favorite movie is that breaks the fourth wall you can answer that on twitter instagram facebook on spotify you know there's so many ways to let us know your answer to this question and then we'll read them at the beginning of our next episode 
we're going to be doing an episode about just what we've watched so far this year. So just getting into all of the movies. Um, I've watched a few new ones. You know, we'll probably talk about The Northman. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. I also recently watched, so I can talk about that. Um, but yeah, we have a lot of different things we can maybe get into. Yep. And then, uh, Joe, do you want to replug um, kind of like where people can find mm. you? Maybe if yeah. you want to reveal your social media so people can follow <laughs> you or watch yeah. your videos. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Joe M. Miller, and that's like the only one I use. Um, and then from there, you can find like my YouTube and I have pinned all my like documentary stuff. Um, I have a new thing coming out pretty soon about a man who puts phones on highway walls and it's uh, yeah i know um, but uh it's it's um yeah i'm excited for i mean it to sounds it. interesting yeah, it sounds pretty I don't cool know anyone yeah. who puts a phone on a highway wall, it's, it's a hard thing to picture whenever i describe it people are like oh yeah i don't think i've seen that before and i'm like you wouldn't because <laughs> yeah right yeah that's well that sounds yeah. fun um definitely check out yeah uh his channel and then like you can subscribe and then hit the notification bell and then you'll know the next time a new video drops guys get on the patreon <laughs> seven bucks a month you get to know my current whereabouts at all times i'll, I'll share my snapchat location like <laughs> oh man i will I will connect you on the Find My Friends <laughs> app if we <laughs> if you pay me seven dollars a month. That'd be such a funny Patreon. Then track me at all times. Reward. Wow. Um. Yeah. So we'll we'll link all those in the show notes so you can all check them out. Um. Awesome. Yeah. I don't know if I have anything else though. Wow. Well, thanks for having yeah, me on. Thank yeah. you for being thanks on. Thanks for coming on. All right. Well, thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'm Noah. And I'm Kayla. I'm Joe. And, and we're, we're second hand. Second hand. Film. Film critics. critics.